How everybody doing this morning? Y'all doing all right? Man, blessed, blessed to be here with you this morning. So thankful that we get to have church again. Uh, Pastor Dave is getting a couple of days of rest and relaxation, which he, which he deserves. And so he sent the young fella out today to preach a little bit. So I'm thankful that I can preach and uh, share the word of God. Amen. Thank you for accepting me. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Just want to remind you guys, we're so excited. As Pastor David said in the video, we're not canceling Thanksgiving. We're excited about our, I don't even know, 10th annual uh, turkey drive. So this Saturday, we're going to be heading into the community, and our goal is to pass out 330 uh, Thanksgiving meals to those who may be in need in our community. Amen. It's a great thing. And so we would love for you to partner with us uh, through donations. $20 will fund one meal for a family. Or we would also love for you to come and be the hands and feet of Jesus with us. After service, you can sign up in the grass parking lot or in the courtyard to help us assemble meals on Saturday, to help us deliver meals. We need trucks, and we also need people who feel comfortable praying with families. As we go and we be the hands and feet of Jesus, it's an amazing time to see what God is doing and to be thankful for the ability to share his gospel with the dying world. So... Please uh, partner with us this uh, weekend. We'd love to see you there, and you can sign up after service. Let's pray, and we can dive into our word this morning. Father, I praise your name. Jesus, you are more than worthy. Father, I thank you for bringing us back together that we would be able to worship and praise your name as a congregation, as a body of Christ. Lord, I pray that the word I speak today would penetrate hearts, and it will touch those who are ready to hear your instruction and your command. Father, we are your people. We submit to you. Lead us in your way everlasting. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome, awesome, cool. So um, just excited to be here today, excited to preach, like I said, and teach a little bit. Um, As we all can agree, uh, just it's it's some crazy trying times right now. (laughs) Any way you look at it, any way you slice it, it's just a lot of going on. And so I'm continually praying, asking God to show me truth. Lord, show me your truth. Show me what I'm supposed to do as a man of God. And he continues to reveal to me things that I've allowed to cover up the truth of his gospel. And he brings me back to just what it means to be the church, what it means to be the body of Christ. And so he begins to show me that the church is the answer to a dying world right? The world is fading away and its pursuits, as it says in 1 John, and the church is the answer to that dying world. And so we're that answer. So Christ took the cross so that through grace, I mean, uh, we're saved by grace through faith that we could be saved and to collectively as those who are saved, we are the church and we're the answer to the world that is dying. And so we get to be that answer. So what does it look like to be that answer? How, how do we become the answer? And what I want to tell you today is the title of this sermon is that we're called to be known by love. We're called to be known by love. I don't know about you, but a, a lot of us know about this book that's very common amongst couples, and it's called The Five Love Languages. Raise your hand if you, if you read this book, you've heard this book. Okay, so I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, so we know. So The Five Love Languages. So there's five love languages in this book that they say everybody can have one or two or maybe love languages. This is the way they may give love, and this is the way they may receive love. All right, so these five love languages are quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, and acts of service. All right, these are these five different love languages. And so my wife... Her love language is words of affirmation. 
All right, she receives words and that's how she receives love. My love language is acts of service, right? So if I love you, the way I'm gonna show you my love is coming and helping you fix your car, you know, helping you build the bench or, you know, I wanna put my hands on something. I'm gonna show you I care by the way I come and serve with you. That's just kind of how I do, right? So you can very easily see how me fixing stuff in the house and and cleaning up and helping with the kids and doing all these things is me helping my wife and just loving her with all that I have. But she's still waiting for me to say those words. (laughs) She's still waiting for me to speak that word of affirmation of true love. I'm, I'm beating myself up, just doing all I can to love her. And she's like, yo, that's great, but when are you gonna tell me you love me, right? And God's, of course, been been showing me some wisdom in this, but I bring this up to say, how are you loving God? Are you loving him the way that you want to love him? Or are you loving him the way that he's called you to love him? Because we very very easily can begin to do the thing that we think God wants us to do when he's actually given us very specific commands. God is an infinite God, so we can't just say God wants us to do this and only this. But I truly believe through the word as we break down today, if God had love languages, one of his primary love languages would be loving him by the way we love others. One of his primary ways to love God would be the way we love others. Right? And we begin to, we're going to begin to break this thing down and really see what this looks like, but I want to walk into this today to say that we as a church are called to be known by love. Let's dive in with me to the great commandment. God just really jumped something out to me while I was reading this, Matthew 22. So what happened was someone said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And so Jesus responds with this in Matthew 22, verse 36. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is like it. He showed me this, and a second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. So he said, love the Lord your God with all you have. But before I go, before I put a period on this conversation, I want to tell you that there's a second that's like it. It's not identical, but it's very similar. And it is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't want the conversation to end without you understanding that there's a one commandment and then there's a one B, that you love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot separate these two, he said, because I wouldn't separate them. I kept them together because they're one and the same. And so what we can do is we can love God internally in our individualistic, private faith, in our prayer closets, which is very good, but that's not where it ends. That's where it begins. Internally, we can love God with all we have, but externally, we could be lacking tremendously. And so uh, this example came up to me about a covenant relationship that internally has love, but externally is empty. And so I've been a pastor for going on about six years now, and I'm blessed to be called to this ministry, but I've been in rooms with marriages who were on the rocks. And I've been there and I'm sitting with people and oftentimes what happens is we have, you have a marriage and then you have a wife who feels like she's been abandoned in the marriage. And you have a husband who feels like he's been doing all that he's supposed to do. And the wife begins to talk about how she's not happy with this and not happy with this and not happy with this and she wants a divorce. 
And the husband begins to say, I don't want the divorce. I know I haven't been doing these things, but I love you. He's been loving his wife internally, but not externally. It's in his heart. He thinks she's happy, but then as soon as he begins to understand he hasn't been doing any of the things that she contributes to love, he realizes the love inside has not been affecting his outside relationship. And I, and I ask you today with God, is your internal love for God beginning to affect your social atmosphere? Because he's called us to actually love others the way we love ourselves. I got to give Pastor Gray his flowers. He's in the back right now. But Pastor Gray is an amazing, amazing counselor. He just blesses me every time I sit down with him. And so he was counseling me one day. I don't remember exactly what the counseling was about, but I remember he asked me this question. He said, Matt, what do you believe is the most important attribute for you and God's relationship? Right? And I pondered on it, and I thought a little bit, and I said, I, I believe you, obedience. I'm called to be obedient, you know? He said, all right. He says, you have a son. My son was about one years old. He said, what's the most important attribute of you and your son's relationship? And quickly I said, love. Quickly I said, love. And he said, why do you think that is? And I said, because I don't care if my son is happy with me or he's respecting me or if he's under my authority, I want him to love me, right? He could be outside of my house, on his own finances, on his own authority, I still want him to love me. And Pastor Gray said, it's the same with your relationship with God. Your, your love is the, is the vehicle for your obedience. I'm gonna love God and through that love, I'm gonna begin to walk in his instruction and in his way. And it blows my mind when you begin to talk about the love for God because the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, oh, how I love your law. He said, oh, how I love your law. I don't know about you, but I've never really been a fan of laws. That's not really my thing. You don't hear me often saying, oh, I love that law. Not really. I was in the military and I didn't love laws for a long time. You know, but God has brought me through maturity. But the psalmist is saying, I love your law. I love you and I love your law. And what he's saying is, I love your law because your law is what allows me to be who you've called me to be. Your judgments, your precepts, it takes me back to the original creation that you've called me to be. Yes, thank you for keeping me in line, Lord. Thank you for, for, for guiding the things of my heart that I would be who you've called me to be. When we allow the, our, our love for God to be the vehicle of how we serve him, it lines us up right. It keeps us in line, being known by love. So we're going to break down love a little bit. What does love look like? How do we define love? We're going to open up in 1 Corinthians 13. Oftentimes we've heard this verse about love. So check this out with me, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I was talking to this with my friend, uh, who, who, who's just a good friend of mine, and I was reading this verse, and he was like, man, I just oftentimes we feel like love has really been painted in society as a feminine trait. Right? It's, it's, it's kind of hard for men to be like, yeah, man, I'm just full of love. I'm just loving out here. I'm winning and I'm loving. You know, it's really, society has really made it look like, like notebook love. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? It's like really 
romanticize love. And so it's hard for men sometimes to walk in faith and be like, yes, I'm loving the way God has called me to love. So I wanted to make sure that I just kind of took, gave you a little nugget today for my guys to walk boldly in love. And so when I read this definition, this, this description of love, I was thinking, how does this apply to men? What does this look like for my guys? And it made me think about my son. I said, what if someone described my son to me with this definition? If someone said, hey, Matt, I met your son, Gio, and he was so patient and kind. He, he, he didn't envy or boast. He wasn't arrogant or rude. He didn't insist on his own way. He wasn't resentful. He didn't rejoice at wrongdoing. He rejoiced in truth. I said, that's my boy right there. I, I raised him, right? <laughs> raised him like a man of God, amen? And, and so when we begin to separate ourselves, but look at who we're raising up to be men, we say, yeah, those are good attributes, Sometimes we have to get outside of what society is saying and say, what is God calling me to? Another nugget that I take as a man is that Christ is called the lion and the lamb, right? He's the lion of Judah and he's the lamb of sacrifice. And if Christ is the sacrifice, but he's also the example, then I get to kind of give some of them attributes to myself. And I remind myself that I have a little bit of lion and lamb in me as well. That I'm called to be the lion in bravery and boldness, right? Because masculinity, we want to be ready to be the protector, but I'm also called to be the lamb. Sacrificial, servanthood, right? Laying my life down. That there's a two sides of me, that I must be bold, and I'm cool with that part, but are you ready to live, have some lamb living? The love, the sacrifice. Don't disconnect the two, because he's called us to walk in love. So we're gonna define love in this short little definition that I'm gonna give you today. And so we're gonna say love is when you bend your will to care for another in a way that glorifies God, all right? So what, it, what love is gonna be, it's gonna be when you bend your will, your desires, you're gonna bend them so that you can care for another in a way that glorifies God. That's much different than the love of the world, all right? The love of the world is free love. Be happy, be who you wanna be, do the things that make you feel good, right? There's no truth in it. It's all feeling, but the love of God says that I'm going to curve my, my will to care for you in a way that glorifies the Father. I'm going to do it in a way that glorifies the Father, and the way that glorifies the Father always has truth. The Father cannot operate outside of truth. So this morning, we're going to dive into 1 John chapter 2. This is kind of going to be where we rest for the rest of the day. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to truly operate in love. A lot of people think love is an emotion. Sometimes you hear love is an action. I want to present to you today that love is an ability. That the love of God in you is an ability that has a capacity, right? Much like your phone charger, you had 75% or 50%, that the love of God has a capacity in your life that you currently might think that you're loving all you can love, but God is actually developing the capacity of love that you can exhibit in your life. Eventually, as you continue to experience God and his goodness and his grace and his mercy, your capacity to love is going to grow. And you're going to be like, how can I care for 40 people and be praying consistently? Because your love capacity has grown because of the grace in your life that God has given you. So love is an ability that has a capacity, and God's developing that love in you. So here we go, 1 John chapter 2. It says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his 
commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way as he walked. Come on now. As you see, it says that his love is being perfected. It's being worked out in you. It's a development. I often try to remind people, you hear, oh, I can't go to church because I still got to get right. God is a God of process. He loves seeing the seed hit the soil and the sun and the water. And the, he could have just made fruit, but he, he created the process. He, he, he enjoys seeing your development, right? So he's perfecting love in you. So if you think that right now where you're at and how you feel towards your in-laws or towards your neighbor or towards your coworker or towards your enemy, that that's the most you can love them? I'm trying to tell you right now that that's just where you're at now. But he's trying to grow you into a capacity of perfect love that's only found in him. So when you say, oh, I just can't go any longer or this is about all I can do with my dad or this is all I can do with my, with my sister, yeah, you're correct in this current state. In this current position, you are correct. But God doesn't desire that you would stop here, but that you would grow into perfect love. That's only embraced when you begin to love one another continuously. It's a capacity to love. It's not just an action. It's a capacity that you can continue to grow in. And as we see, the way we love one another brings perfect love here on earth. This is evidence that salvation isn't solely about going to heaven. So many times we always say, we're saved and I get to go to heaven. No, that's dope. That's awesome. But God is perfecting a love in you that you would be heaven on earth now. That your love on earth would be amazing, glorifying him. We're not only looking to heaven, we're looking to affect earth now. Bring heaven to earth. Amen? We can't only look to heaven, but be the hands and feet of Jesus here. I think we lose that sometimes. I think we get in our devotionals and we get in our worship and we, we do our thing and we're like, yeah, I'm filled up. But we lose the social love of God exteriorly. The hands and feet, right? We're called to be his hands and feet. So right here I got my, this thing. This is called the love pendulum. Say love pendulum. It's the love pendulum. And so what, what we're trying to do is I'm trying to show you through the great commandment that the love for God has always been connected to the love for others. You can't separate them. You see in Matthew 25 that Jesus says that when you care for the, for the orphan and for the prisoner and for the widow, that you're caring for me. When you care for the least of these, you've cared for me. When he's talking to Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. He asked him a third time, said, do you love me? He said, I do. He said, then take care of my people. He's continually reiterating. James 1:27. true religion in the eyes of God is taking care of the widow and the orphan, right? John 13, 35, God is continually telling us, if you want to be seen as my follower, then you must love one another. These things are connected. There's a commandment and the other is like it that you would love your neighbor as yourself, that internally we would love God, but externally we'd begin to love our neighbor. And somehow in American Christianity, we've, we've created this idea that we can love Jesus to the moon and just not hate people. 
I don't know where this idea came up, but it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense that we could just, I'm just so on fire for God, but I'm known for having a terrible attitude. It, it, does, it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I just, I love Jesus, but all of my comments on social media are disturbing. No way. It goes together. And what I want to present to you, which, which could be kind of startling, is if I barely love others, I wonder if you barely are experiencing the love of Christ. If they're not connected, I wonder if you live in this life right here. And you're thinking it's deep. And you're thinking it's the most because this is all I can love, but I come to tell you that your capacity for God has not grown to the place you think it is. Because if it did, you'd have to love Jesus with all you have, and you'd also be loving your neighbor with a lot more than you got. The two are connected. They can't be separated. And the other is like it. That you would love your neighbor as yourself. Three things I want to break down to you about love, and that's truth, grace, and mercy. Truth, grace, and mercy. The love of God is filled with truth. Truth. Uh, Ephesians 4, 15, it tells us, rather, speak, the love, speak truth in love. We are growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Ravi Zacharias, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a very famous apologist for Christian faith. He defends uh, the Christian faith all over the world. He's in heaven now. But one of his favorite quotes of mine says that whenever you're talking to someone about Jesus, they don't believe and you're trying to help them understand. He said, never cut their nose off and give them a rose to smell. Whenever we're trying to tell someone about Jesus, we can't offend and then tell them about Christ. You're going you're gonna to close them off, so rather speak the truth in love. Well, how does God speak the truth in love? He does that through conviction. He speaks the truth in love through conviction. And I want to begin to show you today a little bit about the difference between God speaking the truth in love, conviction, and the world speaking lies in lies in condemnation. And so I got this little box right here, and I'm going to bring it on over. And so this box is going to represent some condemnation in the world. How the world begins to speak to you and you may think this is God's voice and it's not. And so they say, it says, you, you never were gonna be good enough. You never could stop doing drugs. I told you, you, you would never be a good daddy. You, you tried to work it out with your mom, but it didn't work and you, you keep trying to go to church, but I told you, you're always gonna be the same person. Bondage, identity of captivation, stuck not uplifting or not encouraging. That's condemnation. That's of the world. That's not of God. Conviction from God, which is truth and love, sounds a lot more like what I would call a call home, where God says, hey, I see you. Yeah, I told you not to go that route. I see you there, but hey, come home. I love you. Hey, I, ne I never called you to get in that relationship, but you did it on your own. Now you're in a mess. Come home. I love you, right? No, you, you shouldn't have went with them. You shouldn't have made those decisions. I know, we talked about it. Repent, come home. It's the difference between the world condemning you and God's calling you truth and love. He always ends with, come home. He always says, come home. So when we speak the truth and love to others and to our neighbors, it's not to condemn them. It's not that we would have more facts than them. 
It's not that you're living in sin and feel the weight of that sin. It should always end with a come home. Come on home to the Father. Come and embrace who the Heavenly Father is. He's called you his son. He's called you his daughter. Come on home. We're called to speak the truth in love. The second thing is grace. Grace is love that we don't deserve. An example I always use for my kids, I see Canavis here, he's probably going to remember this. I always tell the kids, I say, one example of grace that your family gives you all the time is a birthday gift. Just because you're one year older don't mean you expect all these gifts. Doesn't mean you, you didn't do nothing to deserve that. You just kept breathing, right? God allowed it to happen. You didn't graduate, you didn't do anything but turn a year older. And they love you. They give you this grace because they care about you. You didn't deserve it though. You didn't do anything. And God gives us grace, love that we don't even deserve, but he pours out over us because he cares about us. Even though we don't deserve it, he keeps giving us grace and love that we don't deserve. And he's called us to have that love for others. He's called us to give them a chance after chance, give them love they don't deserve. But how do we do that? How do we do that as Christians? How do we give people love they don't deserve in a way that glorifies God? I'm going to tell you how. You do that by meditating, worshiping, taking note in all the times that God has poured grace over your life. You can't just make it generic. You can't just say, God's always cared about me. No, when did he pour grace over your life? July 7th. When in my marriage on the first, on my seventh anniversary, with my kids in the hospital when he was born five days in the NICU, when we begin to note that, we easily are reminded, I can give that person one chance. Right? Oh, he just gave me grace last week. My boss was going to fire me, but for some reason he didn't. I can give that brother one more try. So easily we forget the goodness of God, and we just try to tie it all together like, I deserve it. No, you don't deserve it but he's pouring it over you anyways. And when you're reminding yourself that, you're built up to give grace to others. That's how we walk in grace and love and truth because God's love for us is way beyond what we deserve. The last is mercy. Mercy, as Dave comes on up, mercy. And mercy is when you have the ability to punish someone, but you don't. You have the ability to punish them. They stole from me. I should should put my hands on them. Or they talk wrong about me. I should talk wrong about them. Or they've done me wrong. I could do wrong to them. You have the ability to punish, but you don't. It's mercy. Why would I give mercy? Because my desire is to glorify God. It's not to make a point. It's not to be tit for tat. Because at the end of the day, if love is bending my will to care for others in a way that glorifies God, then mercy has to be present every time, all the time, because God's mercy is heavy over us. Forgiveness upon forgiveness upon forgiveness. Lord, if you just save me this one time, I won't do it again. Son, you're there again, but I'm still calling you home. How do we forgive others? How do we walk in that space? Some things can be hard, but I promise you, they're connected when you dwell and focus, and know, and worship God for his great forgiveness and mercy in your life, it begins to be easier to pour it out on the others. Have you, once, once a month, and once a week if you need to, just write down 
all the times you can remember God's mercy in your life in 30 minutes, I bet you you're going to begin to treat people different that week. Just, no, like, take note. Don't just say he's good. This and this and this. I always tell the kids, I think faith has a little bit to do with memory. Because when you remember what God has done, you'll believe what he can do in the future. In the Old Testament, they would build these little altars or like rock mounds and say, this is where God saved us from the flies. This is where God saved us from the lizards. This is where God came up when it was dark, right? And so why do they do that? Five generations later, they come around, man, that's when God showed up. God kept showing up and God keeps showing up. And this is why we take note of what he's doing so that we can be reminded we are called to give that to others. His grace, his mercy, it abounds. And we're called to be that to others. He, I got a commandment for you. Love your God with all you got. But there's a second that's like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. As I close today, I want you to understand that your life may be the only Bible that someone reads. Your life could be the only gospel that someone encounters. What book you giving them? What truth are you showing them? It could be the only Bible that they read. God hasn't called you to behave. He's called you to be loved. He hasn't called you to get it right every time. He's called you to be full of truth and love, to be full of grace when you experience the grace he has for you, to be full of mercy when you understand the mercy that he's had on your life. As Abel and Dave begin to worship, I want you to take a moment and just worship and meditate on these three things. God is inviting you into an intimate relationship with him that not only glorifies your relationship, but affects others. When you love God, it shows in the way you care for others. It has to. And the third thing is that God's truth, grace, and mercy towards you gives you the ability to have truth, grace, and mercy for others. Let's worship.
tapping on our heart and he's speaking to us I wonder who's in this place today that says I've never encountered the love of God who says I've never really taken that step to understand who he's called me to be and what he's called me to do that says I heard of Jesus I heard of his greatness I heard of his great love but I've never experienced it firsthand that said I got a lot of that condemnation that I'm not good enough and that I'd never be able to do it but I've never really responded to that call home It says, I've never responded to God calling me to be his son. I want to invite you today, if that's you, if you feel God tapping on your heart to say, come home, son, come home, daughter, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. 
I want to pray with you today. Amen. I see you in the back, brother. Amen. I want to pray with you. God's calling us home as his children to walk in unity as the answer to a dying world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for you continue to pour out your goodness and your truth over your people. As my brother raised his hand up in the back in submission to say, Father, I want to be used by you. That I want you to take over my life and show me how to live and how to love. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall upon him, begin to transform him from the inward parts. That he'd be your vessel, that he'd be your truth to a dying world. Father, I pray that today as each and every person under the sound of my voice understands that you've called them to love you, but also to love others in the same love. That there's no way that I can love you to the moon and back and just tolerate my neighbor. That they're one and the same. That the second is just like it. Father, I pray that your church would be encouraged, would be filled up to walk hand in hand with one another, to speak the truth and love to a dying world that would show the glory of the Father. Lord, we submit to you as lambs ask that you would have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand, praise. Stand to your feet with me. Brother Dave and Ava are gonna lead us in worship one more time, and then we're gonna dismiss. I need your love like I need water. Love you guys.